Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Mirandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And I'm also joined uh, via Skype by the one, the only, Matthew Kelly, uh, co-host of the Horror Movie Night Podcast. Say hello, Matt. Hello, I'm neither handsome nor debonair. <laughs> that's why, that's why <laughs> I didn't say Neither are we, you honestly. <laughs> we, uh, and... Uh, I am uh, inviting uh, Matt on for a very special reason. You're about to celebrate a big anniversary for your podcast, correct? Yes. Uh, the Horror Movie Night it podcast is going to be hitting 50 episodes on July 2nd, and we wow. are going to celebrate by doing a Twitter takeover on July 1st. So all day, we will be watching horror movies and live tweeting them, and we're inviting all of our audience to join in, watch, and join the fun of live tweeting with us as we watch some of the worst uh, but fun, worst 80s horror movies, uh, building so, up to the big midnight uh, movie, which will be Sleepaway Camp, which is absolutely 100% in no way a hint of what episode 50 will be. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting stuff, and this episode's coming out ahead of time before that, so if you uh, people listening to this are so inclined and like horror movies and bad horror movies, uh, you should uh, check out that podcast. Uh, what's the web address that people can find it at? Uh, soundcloud.com backslash horror movie night or you can search around at geekscape.net we're hidden somewhere in there oh wow that was confusing um, <laughs> so uh, if you can find us on the web at the very convenient reviewedpodcast.com uh, you can find us uh, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast but guys guys, guys. I, don't know about you, I don't know about you but I think it's time that we celebrate our Independence Day. Police and the fire departments are asking. It is morning. You wake up. You greet your loved ones. You grab the morning paper. And although it seems like any ordinary day, it isn't. For one extraordinary reason. historic and unprecedented event has occurred. The question of whether or not we are alone in the universe has been answered. This is so cool. More ships have just arrived over India, England, and Germany. I really don't think they flew 90 billion light years to come down here and start a fight. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! They're using our own satellites against us. The clock is ticking. So today's episode, we are going to be reviewing uh, the 1996 Roland Emmerich disaster movie, uh, Independence Day. And the reason being quite obvious, we are about to have a sequel hit theaters this coming weekend, 20 years after the original, exactly 20 years. Uh, so I figured no better time like the present than to rewatch this movie. It stars Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, um, uh, Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Well, I was going to say Bill Paxton for some reason. I don't know why I was going to no. do that. that, that uh, is a, game over, that is man. A, that's a yeah, very a, common thing. I'm not sure if you ever listened to Doug Loves Movies, but he used to have a game called Pullman Paxton where he would just name a movie and you had to guess which one of them was in it. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, they're both kind of like these guys that, uh, you know, they're white They're white dudes. Randy Quaid. <laughs> oh, Randy Quaid is also... Robert Loja. <laughs> I love Robert Mary Loggia. McDonald. So there's a, this big cast, and it is about um, some aliens who come to Earth, and, uh, you know, it's I mean, a big alien... so casual. They just come, they just come. Just come hang out, give they some They mosey stuff. on. They it's hang out for the 4th of July. They come to see the fireworks. It's an alien... Literally, they come to see the fireworks. <laughs> oh, I, have a, I have a question for you guys right off the bat. Um... Did you guys keep remembering scenes that weren't actually in this movie, but were in other disaster movies? No, not at all. Because I had, no. like, I I kept thinking of like, I a friend came over and I was watching it. I'm like, I swear to God, there's a scene where like a meteor almost hits a dog, and he's like, No, that's Armageddon. You're thinking of Armageddon, not Independence Day. Well, um, I think well, that's pretty close. There's a scene in the tunnel with the dog. Yeah. yeah, and then I was like, I swear to God, there's a scene where like there's a big pref- press conference and the aliens turn on everybody. And he's like, No, that's Mars Attacks. Like you are not even close to remembering. <laughs> oh this movie. man! Like, 
But then I throughout th- the movie, I kept wishing I was watching Mars Attacks. Not that this was a bad movie, but man, Mars Attacks is a good film. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to talk about this movie for a variety of reasons, uh, much to Dave's chagrin, uh, because I'm guessing <laughs> that he's going to have some highbrow opinion of why, why Independence Day is terrible. But before no. we get there, um, I want to kind of um, – I'm going to do the thing that Dave always does. I'm going I'm to pretend to be Dave for a second, guys. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about – Wait, dude, your voice needs to be lower. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Dave Glantz. <laughs> that was, uh, that you was terrible. Sleepy. You sound sleepy. sad and sleepy. <laughs> well, I, I can't. I guess that's the way I sound. Yeah, that's it was 1975. I had a plaid was... shirt on and I was 12. <laughs> exactly. <Somebody> six. <laughs> well, the year was 1996, guys. And I remember this theatrical experience uh, profoundly because um, I saw Independence Day on Independence Day in 1996. It was a big theatrical outing for my family. And... Um, I was a huge fan of this movie at that time, and I watched it a lot, a lot throughout my uh, early teens. Um, so I knew this movie very well, and the reason I did not mistake scenes from it, Matt, is I've watched it so many times. So I've, I've, <laughs> I'm very familiar with the movie. Um, and I wanna, I'll want i get into this later after we go round robin about what this movie, how you guys kind of feel about this film. But I think that uh, Independence Day stands at a very interesting point in cinematic history and what it represents about everything that came after and how it um, has influenced things both for better and for worse. Um, but you know what? Let's, let's go round Robin here. I'm going to start with um, Mike and then we'll go to Matt, but Mike, your independence day experience, when did you first experience this movie and uh, what are your thoughts about it? One of the rare movies I've actually seen and seen <laughs> in the theater, no less. Um, what? Mike, you've, I, yeah, you've now yeah, seen right? at least 62 movies. I'm like proud of me. This is great. <laughs> Um, I, I don't remember, remember if it was exactly on the 4th of July. I doubt it. I think it was probably sometime whenever it was in theater, I guess. Um, and uh, I will say that for the, the blockbuster it was, I remember like two scenes out of the whole movie. Like I remember the uh, Will Smith punching the alien in the face saying, Welcome to Earth. <laughs> and then I remember Welcome the faux Earth. proposal in the locker room between the two dudes. Um Wait, you do realize aliens blow up Earth, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I mean, obviously, aside from the aside from the obvious things like like the you know the White House exploding and the ship crashing into the ground and like I didn't remember any of it. Like when the ship is flying and there's just like the fiery exploding clouds around it, which looks awesome. I didn't remember that. Um, and again, this is just like I, 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 that's how little I guess it impacted me. Um, that being said, I will say that I went into it. Um, I'd say within the first half hour like really into it i'm like this is this is neat like the sound design is great of the interference the 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 design of the ships the way they're revealing the ships where they're not fully revealing everything like in the beginning it's almost very cinematic um very visual really good mood and good setting really emotional like really you know kind of setting this 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 stage and then it just rapidly devolves into like stupidity and (laughs) and i was like oh come on this, and and yeah, I get I get it's supposed to just be a blockbuster. It's supposed to be fun and silly. I, I get that. Um, but I think that as a just from quality as far as my, my personal engagement, and I think it was a lot better in the beginning. And then I think it just kind of goes into this like territory of dumb action movie with ridiculous things like Randy Quaid flying a spaceship into the the belly of the the. the you mean when the, uh, Randy Quaid anally um, probes the spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> right, and he's like, "I'm back!" Like, come on. Um, um, no, I mean, I think that's interesting. Um, I'm not going to – I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to try to go round Robin a yeah, little yeah, bit go quickly. For it. Go for it. Because yeah. I know we got a lot of things to talk about this episode. Matt, when you were Facebook messaging me uh, about this movie, you said, man, I didn't recall it being so long. So I'm guessing your opinion of it isn't <laughs> super high either. So no, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. But, like, the, the circumstances of me rewatching this movie was that I was outside in the sun all day for a family reunion – and was super tired, but I was like, all right, well, this is the only time that I have to watch Independence Day. And I remember it being like an hour, 45, maybe two hours max. And I just mm. kind of popped it in. And then I was just like, wow, this movie's still on. And I like <laughs> actually checked the time. And not only is its normal running time like an hour and a half, but I had apparently put on the director's cut DVD, which was like Ooh. an extra 10, 15 minutes. So I was like, oh, oh, I've made some mistakes. Um <laughs> All in all, I do think it's actually, it it held up better than I thought it would. I think the special effects actually shocked me with how many of them do still hold up. A lot of them don't, but there's there's a fair amount that I think look really good, and I think it's because I feel like 
93 to like 98 was that magic time where we weren't throwing too much CGI at stuff. Like it was always a healthy blend of, of a practical effect and a CG effect. And I think that's why like Jurassic Park's effects hold up well. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of this one does. I also did think it was interesting that this guy's career, the, the director of this movie's career is very, uh, Roland Emmerich. Yeah, it's a very mixed career. Yeah, it's mostly lows. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of quality, at least. Oh, he's a very interesting figure, um, and I'll get into him in a little bit. Um, but I think you are very right about special effects, because I think once we hit 99, which is when I... The reason I say 99 is that's when The Mummy came out, mm-hmm. and that's, like, a great example of, like, bad CG. And, like, you know, I actually do like The Mummy. I don't think it's a bad movie, but it was when they were like, you know what? We can just do all this on computers. And yeah. then they, they created, CG like, that doesn't necessarily need to be CG. Exactly. Yeah. The, um, the only other thing I'd like to throw out there is that I think that this movie does uh, a really impressive job with something that is very hard to pull off, which is having a big ensemble cast of characters that are all in completely separate locations and making us be able to care about most of them and also not linger too long on any individual piece of the puzzle, but eventually let that puzzle come together. And I think I, that that's kind of cool. I would say I agree with you to an extent. I think it, I think it, they pushed a little bit too far, and I think it's at a disservice to the film. I, I agree with you. I like seeing them all kind of come together and how they come together, but I think there's just some of the characters. There's just too many of them where I don't really start. I stop caring about some of them. But well, I, I actually I, I agree with uh, Matt about this because I think it's an incredibly difficult feat not only to bring them together logistically. I think they do genuinely give every one of those. There's like six main characters in this movie, and I think everyone is given some semblance of an arc, and I think I do actually care about them. And I think that the movie, um, you know, to its discredit, like, you know, as a flaw of the movie, it does paint things a little thinly, uh, especially with stereotypes. But, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I care that Will Smith finally gets his chance to fly his space shuttle. I care that Jeff Goldblum re- reconciles with his father and his ex-wife. I like the fact that Will Smith ends up marrying his girlfriend, you know, wife. I think the relationship between the president and his wife is, you know, somewhat, you know, resonant. And they have to do all this. I mean, you're talking about, yeah, it's two and a half hours long, which is pretty long for a movie. But they not only blow up every major landmark on Earth, but they also managed to have six major characters all with a arc, which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, but Dave, enough of me babbling. What do you think about Independence Day? Uh, what is your, your highbrow film critique of Independence Day? Does it have to be highbrow? Who's the one who brought up uh, Armageddon? Someone brought up Armageddon. I, I no. did. Yeah. That's a good comparison, except here's the thing. Armageddon is a dumb movie. Independence Day is mostly a dumb movie i hate armageddon <laughs> me too i hate armageddon yeah me too but so does ben I, affleck but <laughs> that was great i, was I really kind of still like independence Day. <laughs> but that, realizing they're both dumb and they both came out within a few years of each other um and i'm hoping within the next 30 minutes we can kind of maybe figure out why i feel this way i don't i don't know that we will but uh just to put my my uh you know, this movie did bring me back a little bit. It's the kind of movie I've seen. Like it, it's, it's like always on like TBS. If you're flipping through channels, you're like, ah, oh, Independence Day. Up, oh, wait, a commercial. All right, go watch something else. Uh, I, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know the last time I sat through and watched the whole thing. Oh, I just uh, want Dave to time. narrate him flipping channels for me for like 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> this is great radio. Great radio. <laughs> no, Dave, just, you never disappoint. I, I, typically, <laughs> I'm just looking for. Diff- I like flipping through movie channels. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if, if you put this movie in context as to where these different actors were in 1996, I mean, Will Smith isn't a movie star. He's He, he, had, he had been in uh, Six Degrees of Separation, I think, and got some acclaim for that. He was uh, a, a relatively famous rapper at the time and had a TV show. So he was uh, a star, but he wasn't like, you know, Will Smith is like one of the... Everybody seems... To, everyone knows who Will Smith is 20 years later. And uh, you had... Um, uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum, who was, you know, I guess he was a movie star at that point, but he wasn't like a. Uh, well, he did Jurassic Park, right? He had he had kind of lucked into not lucked in. I mean, he you know he was in Jurassic Park. No one, you know, no one really knew if that was going to be like the highest grossing movie of all time. And then Independence Day was like the second highest grossing movie of all time at that point. So he kind of just like stumbled his way into like two two giant blockbusters within three years. Um, and then these other actors, like Bill Pullman was a character actor who had been in Spaceballs and <laughs> While You Were Sleeping, and Mary McDonald was in Dances with Wolves, nominated for an Oscar. Um, 
you know, Judd Hirsch was this actor from Taxi and Dear John and the eight, like a TV actor from the 80s. And Roland Emmerich had made one minor hit science fiction movie called Stargate that eventually kind of spawned a TV series. And so, you know, there was a lot, lot in place for this movie to just kind of be like, uh, it, it just comes and goes in the movie theater. But they had this brilliant marketing campaign in like that started, I think, with the Super Bowl of just the, the shadows of the ships over landmarks. And, uh, you know, the, I think the, just the marketing leading up to the actual release of the movie was, was kind of genius. And um, this was one of the uh, this was one of those uh, movie experiences I, I just remember vividly. I remember the audience cheering. I remember going. I saw it. I'm pretty sure I saw it twice in theaters. Everybody loved this movie at the time. This movie was really well uh, received by audiences, at the very least. Critics were kind of mixed. I remember. And the other thing I really remember about this movie is uh, Siskel and Ebert had, um, you know, they gave it like mediocre reviews like thumbs down but it wasn't like thumbs way down it was just like this movie is not good go see something else this summer uh but then when it became really popular Siskel and Ebert had a half hour show devoted just to Independence Day and why you shouldn't go see Independence Day Jesus. yeah it was like really kicking <laughs> really kicking Roland Emmerich in the balls and his uh, next movie was Godzilla which was like okay so this is really who Roland Emmerich is this is the guy yeah, he's a schlock director um and he, he named, like, he had the mayor who gets squished by Godzilla. It was, like, Mayor Ebert, and it was a guy who looked just like Roger Ebert, and a guy who looked just like Gene Siskel was, like, the deputy mayor. Deputy mayor. And I, I've read that in Independence Day, there's actually some of the names, like the snivelly, um, uh, I'm not sure what his job is. Defense, but uh, yeah. Secretary of Defense. Secretary yeah. of Defense, yeah. Is that him? Yeah, James Rebhorn, who's, you know, he's, he's famous for playing these, like, measly villains. Like, he was in Meet the Parents and Scent of a Woman, and... He's great at playing these, uh, well, I think he passed away, but he was great at playing these, like, really nasally annoying guys. You know, I think he, he was named after a guy that pissed off Roland Emmerich, and there were other people in the movie that whose names were people that that didn't, you know, that turned him down for this or that. So, yeah, I don't know. You can, you can talk about Roland Emmerich. I've kind of rambled on a lot. Well, I, I mean, still kind of like this movie. I like Will Smith. I like Jeff Goldblum. I like their chemistry. You know, this movie I don't think really devolves, as Mike's saying. I think it kind of just rides this waves of up, ups and downs and... You know, it, it it has its highs, it has its lows, and it just kind of coasts to the end. And it, you know, it, it it's not bad. No, I, mean, I, I uh, oh, go, go go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say I want to piggy off a few things that Dave said because I think it's kind piggy? of interesting. Um, piggy, piggy, yes, piggy, <laughs> piggyback. It's piggy a very, it's a very common phrase. I'm sorry. You're saying round robin. No, He's no, saying piggyback. No, no, he didn't say piggyback. He said I want a piggy. He just like he just uh, it's he it's short. Though. It's short for piggyback. I I got you, man. Don't worry. Yeah. No problem. Um. One thing that I think is interesting is you're, like, running down the list of all the people who were in this movie and, like, where their stature was. I think it's kind of interesting because when I think about it, even with all of them and, like, the popularity of this movie, I still feel like Will Smith was the only one that really hit that point where it was, like, superstar power. This is the guy who's going to, like, if you put this guy in a movie, it will be a blockbuster hit. Status. Because I never thought that about Bill Pullman or Jeff Goldblum or any of them. They were, like, always fun when they were in a movie. But, like, I don't think any studio signed a movie on, like, okay, well, the Jeff, the Jeff Goldblum crowd is going to really pack the house for this one. But well, also, Will Smith had the it factor, for sure. And I think you're, you're referencing this thing about there are, there are, like, six actors that exist in the entire world or have, like, still currently that are enough to sell a movie. And Will Smith has kind of lost some of that clout in the last few years, but Will Smith is one of them. Uh, other ones are like Tom Cruise is an example of another one, and then uh, Ford. Denzel Brad, Washington Brad is another Pitt, one. I think it was like, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there are very few actors that have ever reached the stratosphere, f- stratosphere that Will Smith has. But, yeah, I mean, think about this. After this movie comes out, he's in when – when is Men in Black? Is that after this? I think that's later, 97, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you have Men in Black. You have this. Uh, you have Wild Wild West, which is a terrible movie but made a ton of money. Mm. You Enemy have of the State. Enemy of the State, iRobot. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot, he's just he's, – he was, he was printing money. I Am Legend, I guess. Yeah, I Am Legend. He, 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 he just, was money. He His was face money. was on a $100 bill for a while. That, that is true. If I'm um, correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing we no one facts checks this podcast because I mean that is totally true um, yeah. about him being on a hundred dollar bill. But the other Go thing ahead. that Dave was saying that grabbed my attention was that, and do not assume that I am not comparing these two movies in any way oh really, but the way that you described the the build to Independence Day and how all things considered, when you look at the cast, when you look at the director, it really felt like it was building itself to just be a kind of forgettable 
B action film kind of reminds me a lot of the first summer blockbuster that was Jaws. Because you look at it, it's like a young director who really only had like a small movie under his belt, a bunch of guys who were like kind of known actors trying to do this thing. And like it was all in the advertising that made it the hit that it was. No, that's a, that's an interesting point, um, and I think that Independence Day is a very uh, it's a great example of like when you think about blockbusters, I, I I would throw Independence Day in like top ten most recognizable blockbuster films um, of all time, along with Jaws and Jurassic Park and, and and movies like that. And the reason I think it's so important of a movie, and this is going to sound ridiculous, that I think Independence Day is a very important movie, but uh, you know, there's that, you know, podcast where they talk about the canon of great movies of all time or, or, or culturally significant movies. I would throw Independence Day in there hands down because not only does it spawn, you know, it does it launch Will Smith into, uh, you know, his superstardom, but it totally influences Every blockbuster, I feel like, to come after it. You don't have Armageddon without Independence Day. You don't have... It started that it really popularized the trope of blue laser pointing at Earth. Like, mm-hmm. like to, to the extent that almost every movie after that had that. And, that, and then the other big thing... Destruction, basically. It, and I, I think destruction is really important because Independence Day, you know, for worse, uh, for, for bad things, uh, for, or, you know, because, I can't talk today but you know better or worse better or worse yeah i actually think it's worse in this case independence day started this idea of damage being interesting like every movie at like we have this thing now where we have the ability to blow up anything on screen and for some reason people still think that is a compelling cinematic idea and it never is anymore. Like, <laughs> Michael Bay. <laughs> well, it's, not, it's not just Michael Bay. It's the Man of Steel thing. It's, it, sure, it's, right. Even it's the Marvel anything. movie. I even thought the that this movies. movie was made by Michael Bay, to be totally honest. Until I started watching <laughs> it, I went on IMDb. I was like, Independence Day, that's one of the better Michael Bay movies. Was like my thought going into it. Well, here's why. Okay, and I'm going to try to answer Dave's question. Is why is Independence Day likable and why do I hate Armageddon? Yeah. And and they're both overlong space disaster movies. Yes. So you would ensemble space disaster movies. Yeah. So you would think that I would kind of hold them in the same esteem. And the reason is because Michael Bay doesn't understand who humans are and he doesn't understand <laughs> he doesn't understand what humans do. Everyone to Michael Bay is either a clown or a slut. Mm-hmm. Um, they're either really attractive and you want to have sex with them, be they a male or a female. Like they're either the hottest thing that is like if they're a man, they're wearing a tank top and they're hugely muscular and they're the most attractive man ever. If they're a woman, they're Megan Fox leaning over a motorcycle mm-hmm. um, or they're a clown. They're just a moron that's super stupid. Like they're a nerd. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. so the yeah. entire con- the, the entire point of a movie like Armageddon is we're not going to let these NASA nerds save the planet. We're going to let these, you know, beer drinking, real manly men save the earth with their 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 drill their phallic drill that, that <laughs> screwed into the movie they're like, gonna go up is, and like that is that is the that is the, it is the like, hell the giant phallus if thing there is, is a, totally, I never made that connection I, I, that's I'm, actually pretty awesome though. But like, I missed that we're gonna, we're gonna fuck the shit out of this android I mean this asteroid <laughs> we're gonna fuck this asteroid <laughs> Freudian slip there Ivan hmm? yeah yeah the android yeah, no it's not a slip that is not a slip I'm, I, I, I saw ex machina uh, but the um, the thing is that is the Michael Bay syndrome. And as stereotypical as some of the characters are in Independence Day, I genuinely think Roland Emmerich is a sap. Like, he's a sappy guy. And this is I represented think... in all his movies. Like, he he wants couples who are nice people to get together. He wants father and son to reconcile. And he does it in a way that is, I agree, thinly painted, but still feels kind of true to the movies. So that, mm-hmm. that's my argument for Independence Day. Okay. I, and I'll yeah. say, Ivan, I think that's one of the things I did like about it. I think he has he understands emotion and he knows how to, how to play with it well. I think he understands all of his characters. There's a lot of great characters in the movie, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to fault it for that. I think Jeff Goldblum's dad is great. A, a little... A little bit extreme. He's a little, he's a a little, little too Jewy. A little, a little too nebbishy. <laughs> yeah, but he's still good. Um, Brent Spiner as the uh, uh, the crazy scientist, the release me scientist. He's great. I think the release great <laughs> The release me scientist. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's just fun. it's funny to call him the release me scientist. No, the, the release me guy. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. yeah. There, I, I lot, it does well, and I feel like yeah, he does care about all his characters. I think he has a really good emotion that he that he plays with. Um, I think the issue is that I think that's also the problem with the movie is that I think he feels obligated to do certain things like, oh, of course, the, you know, the president was a fighter pilot. Of course, he's got to go up there because that's what, like, no, the president should stay on the freaking earth 
And because if he dies up there, everyone's screwed. Like, no, you don't go up there. You stay down here. Don't be an idiot. Like, things like that, like that, that just, I mean, even well, like, you know, if everybody's going to die, the president might as well die too. <laughs> yeah. And I get, the, I get the sentiment of it, but a certain, I don't know. I just think a lot of stuff like that was a little, like Randy Quaid, like, I don't know. I think you could kind of cut some of the characters, spend a little more time on some of the other ones. I, I think. Well, I mean, Look, the he, only thing that they don't. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Hey, I was he was say, a character he can, from the beginning. I was gonna say he casted Randy Quaid, who like now we know is barely even acting in this movie. Like he's he <laughs> yeah. is this character. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He just kind of does the Randy Quaid thing. You know, he's he's exactly. really good at being like the uh, over the top, uh, over the top. I don't know what you would call it. Like um, drunkard. What? Drunkard? Car- a cartoon. Drunkard. He's basically a drunkard. Ca- yeah, drunkard. Yeah. Drunkard. He's, he's playing the same character that they played in like National Lampoon exactly. movies. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. I felt like when I was in this movie, I'm like, oh, there's, you know, when he comes on the screen, I'm like, oh, there's what's his name from uh, National Lampoon. Like it didn't feel, he didn't feel organic. He felt like a cartoon living in this world that was very, in the beginning, very grim and, and foreboding. Um, can well, we I see Randy didn't... Quaid in a really good movie? See Quick Change with Bill Murray, by the way. Just a side note. He, okay. uh, when, when he sacrifices himself... <laughs> Uh, you know, at that point it had been two and a half hours, and I'm like talking to my friend sitting on the couch. I was like, you know, you know, it'd be great is uh, if Randy Quaid's somehow survived this and he's in the sequel, like as the leader of the new batch of aliens. Like he's just, so. <laughs> actually, it seems like the opposite. I think I think uh, I don't the think crazy Randy Quaid's allowed to leave Vermont. Actually, yeah, no, he's like, in real life. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually legally bound to stay in Vermont somehow. <laughs> He's had an interesting life the past yeah, 10 years. Yeah, he's had some interesting tabloid uh, scandals. No, I mean, I agree with you, Mike. Randy Quaid is the one character in this movie that goes past cartoon to full, like, Daffy Duck. Like, yeah. he <laughs> is, like, the, the shot of his face when he says, up yours, like, it's, uh, like, this super close-up. And I think they shoot it in a way to make his face as comical as, like, as possible. And And I think that this, I mean... Dave talks about Roland Emmerich being a schlock director, and I could argue that a bit, but this is where Roman, Roland Emmerich doesn't understand. Like, this is where he, he reveals himself, where he just doesn't get things. It's going to be this great <laughs> sacrifice, and it's going to be amazing, and the audiences are going to love it. <laughs> like in this well, picture. Roland Emmerich is the most fascinating character in my mind, because he is a, an effeminate gay man who makes these, inc- like, these, like, Manly action movies. They're all, but they're all disaster. And they're all they're disaster all movies. Disaster. And, like uh, disaster, not, obviously like, not in the no, box no. office. No, no, like twenty twelve, I know, I know, and know, the day after tomorrow, and Independence Day, and now Resurgence. I mean, he like, like, what can we blow up more? Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to me because I think that he. He starts this uh, like he's like the perfect case of diminishing returns. He's like the M, he's like the M Night Shyamalan syndrome, right? Like he like <laughs> he knocks it out very early, mm-hmm. and then everything else is just riffing on the same theme, like doing the same formula again and again. And each time yeah, and that's a what little I'm, I'm bit actually, worse. I'm kind of interested in the, in the new movie just to see like where are they going to go from? Like it does seem interesting that they have they feel like they've expanded on that world a little bit more. Like they have their technology, they've kind of developed things more. They've used the technology to advance humanity like that's kind of interesting to me and i think he does like i said i think his i think his premise or his world building or something i i enjoyed and i liked it and i felt like just you know the 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 culture of the alien what they looked like the fact that they had these like outer exoskeleton suit things on like i was intrigued about the aliens and wanting to learn more when they go inside the ship like that's intriguing that's awesome i think for me one of the best parts of the movie when you're seeing this other world and you know whether or not you credit him with that or you credit his his concept artist or his creative director or whatever but I, I still think that that stuff is very strong and that's one of the things I like about it and I think one of the things that works for it really well and I, I would argue possibly one of the reasons why it has such a following is because they set up really interesting mythology um, well I Matt, Matt you might have the answer to this question but Independence Day is riffing on a lot of science fiction tropes from earlier movies right absolutely uh, I mean it's War right. of the Worlds no War, doubt War right? of the Yo, Worlds sure, yeah. Earth versus this, uh, the Flying Saucers there's a lot of homages to the 50s alien sci-fi film even just in the way that the ship but is kind of designed is a very like kind of yeah. cliched UFO look yeah. from the 50s well I, the, the um, you know I was reading a lot of the negative reviews because I'm like how can people hate this movie I actually legitimately enjoy it I'm a, I'm, I consider myself to be a somewhat intelligent person why do people hate this so much why did why did yeah I know it's iffy but why, <laughs> why did Siskel and Ebert you know dislike this as Dave said to devote an entire show to tell you not to see it that, that's ridiculous and, to me because they were big bad. Harvey Firestein fans and they were just as upset as I was when he died in the uh, traffic <laughs> oh I gotta call my mother um, no it, for three hundred dollars um, an hour, I better get him on the phone. Uh, the uh, the thing about 
uh, a lot of criticisms of this movie is a lot of people talk about how the ship design is somewhat like just the general idea of it's just a big sphere. Like it's it, it it's somewhat lacking in imagination, but I kind of like that. Because it's, it's not. Like this big... No, it's not, though, because think about so it has a couple of things going for it. Like it has stuff all over the surface. It has these ruins. It has these like there is a lot of detail. It's not just a disc. It's a disc with like a box on it. So, OK, maybe not the best point I'm making there, but um, <laughs> I, I like it. It's something about it. it's very monolithic. And I like, you know, like basically what Matt was just saying, it's a take off the old 1950s like flying saucer. But the sheer size is what separates it. These things are gigantic. And even the shot, think about the shot of the the satellite flying through space and then just, like, hitting the surface. You expect it's going to hit it a lot sooner than it actually does, and it keeps going, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and you're like, oh, my God, this thing is gigantic. I just, I think the scale and the the magnitude of it, I think, is is what really, it's part of the design. I think it's a major part of it. Like, yeah, it's not necessarily super unique in detail, but I like the simplicity of it, because I think now everything is so overly complicated and overly, like, you know, think of our stealth bombers, how simple those things look. If these things were going to be going through space, and like, I don't know how complicated they would need to be, you know? I think that you bring up a good point about size and scale, which is, I think, I think something that this movie was one, uh, uh, or at least in my head, sticks out as doing yeah. you know, pretty uniquely. I mean, just as you said, when they're flying at the end of the movie with Jeff Goldblum and, and Will Smith have hijacked the alien spaceship to go into the mothership even the scale inside the mothership is baffling like they're in a city they're in like a canyon yeah yeah they're in a giant uh, you know alien constructed city and this idea that these spaceships are what like 15 miles wide or something like that like that I think you know yeah you can say it's reminiscent of War War of the Worlds but even in that movie the scale of those alien attackers is nowhere near the size Mm -hmm. here Um, and the sight the sight of of them flying over the city with those clouds around them the fiery clouds like just when when it crashes into the earth like the, the the juxtaposition of that over a city I think is really staggering too yeah and 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 I was telling Ivan about this earlier today here's how I know the movie had has some potency to it and it's the fact that I I've seen this movie a bunch of times you know the past 20 years and last you know I watched I watched it again yesterday and last night I had this, I rarely remember my dreams, but I had some kind of just random apocalyptic dream about, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. It was just like, I can't describe the specifics about it, but I realized that it came from watching Independence Day. Like there's something potent about the visuals of those ships coming from hmm. clouds. I slept, I slept great. I, don't, I, don't, I slept, I slept, I slept great in the too. Gonna, <laughs> I slept great I'm, too. I'm going to be just, totally honest. Saturday night after I watched this, I dreamt that I was in a building that was on fire. Like, huh, yeah. You know what's funny, guys? I actually had a disaster dream as well. Um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, wow. I'm not shitting you. Uh, I had it was. Uh, it was an alien thing, like where I was like on like an alien world or something like that. The night after, so there is something about this movie that sticks with you, and whether or not you can divulge exactly what that is, I'm. I'm not sure. I think the alien designs. I remember being terrified of them when I was 11 when I first saw this. I thought they were pretty creepy. I think the release me scene. Uh, you know, I found that to be very scary as a kid. Yeah, it is, uh, it's definitely creepy. I, I think it falls apart a little bit when you see it standing up and like walking around. Like they didn't <laughs> nail that. But all of like the the prop work, I think, is great. When it's like laying there and then they're cutting it open, like it looks fantastic. And when Will Smith pulls it out of the machine, like uh, the, the the ship, I think all that looks really good. So we need to talk about the elephant in the room, guys. The mm-hmm. thing that Independence Day is much maligned for and made fun of and consistently ridiculed for. And it's the idea of using your Macintosh computer from 1996 (laughs) to upload a computer virus. Now, I want to talk about this. So Jeff Goldblum's plan is that in order to get through the aliens' defense systems, which they're impenetrable, is to give them a computer virus to take down their shields, which allows them to attack and eventually use a nuke to blow up the mothership, which causes all the other, you know, everything else to blow up. That kind of thing. Right. So that is that is the that is the third act twist. (laughs) Dave says it's dumb. I don't think it is. But do you guys? I'll say this. I think it's. I think it's a little dumb. Dave, I'm with you there. But I I could I could logic it by saying, well, they have their ship. They have the systems. They could potentially no 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 because it's completely different. (laughs) They don't use hard drives. It's completely different hardware. No, I'm I'm out. Sorry. Well, I mean, I understand understand what they were trying to do. I'm not going to say that it's not dumb because it's it's dumb. But it's it's also it's one of those things like how do, how do I compare this? It's like watching the movie Hackers. All right, like why would you do that? Oh, no, it's like not that like dumb. the version oh, dude, I love Hackers. The I'm version sorry, of it. like computer hacking in the movie Hackers was only acceptable because like 
eight people in the world owned computers at that time. Like the right, amount no of people, it. Yeah. yeah, like the amount of people in 1996 who knew how to like hack something with a virus, which is like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like I, I wouldn't be able to tell. You. I was like 10. I don't know. Right. But it's like when the girl in Jurassic Park says, "Oh, I know the system. It's you know, it's a Unix system. It's a Unix yeah, system, and it's like 3D boxes." And- <laughs> yeah, like it's just like you know, we. I feel like that stuff that that you typically any any other day and age you'd forgive, but like we are in the internet era where we love to find things from our childhood and point out all of the flaws that we didn't care about when we were 10. Well, I think that a couple, <laughs> a couple things. One, uh, my defense of the computer hacking thing, and I'm going to try to use Mike's logical defense first. But he, as Mike said, they've had access, they have access to this ship, so theoretically Jeff Goldblum might be able to go into their computer system and figure out how it works. Two, early on in the movie, they do establish that the aliens have taken control of the satellites and have using the system against the, you know, Ooh. us to calculate a signal. Okay. So Fair. obviously there yeah. is some kind of interconnection between the technologies that is possible. That is and, actually and, a very good point because if they can use their satellites against us, it means they're using some kind of a common, then I could yeah. see. So just say My, that so that we can all rest easy in the movie. Come on, just. I, but I think that the, okay, so the overall implementation of seeing like the interface of Jeff Goldblum's computer, yes, that's horrible. But movies have, <laughs> movies have never been good about showing computer interfaces, especially as Matt was saying in the early 90s. because Right, right. In, no in a one, way that it, that it holds up, I think we're getting better at it now where it's an entire you know, animation and design discipline, like interface design, right? Like you look at movies like Oblivion, they have an amazing computer interface, but... Up until that point, it was just like, yeah, I don't know, just throw some text on the screen, do some like, you know, data <laughs> yeah. moshing. Because so at like, that point, yeah, I mean, the internet wasn't as. I mean, I mean, now we live in a world where, where uh, programmers are heroes, right? And they really kind of weren't in 1996. Yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're so they're, they're, they're more respected and, and probably more uh, integral to the process of filmmaking at this point than they were 20 years ago. I would say. But I guess my larger point against all of this is that if you take away the artifice of a computer virus. Ignore that it's a computer virus. The concept that a really smart guy is able to get into their uh, get into their um, like technology and take it down from the inside is clever. Yeah, I'm fine. That I'm fine with. Yeah, and it and it and it creates a fun reversal where you get to see like the alien being, what's going on with my system as it's. In, <laughs> I mean, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, ridiculous. But I think that the like if you're looking at it from a script level. Of how you know how do you solve this? How do you solve the problem of destroying something that's not destroyable? Well, they th- they pull directly from War of the Worlds, which is they it give was it, a, they it was give, a human virus. It was it was a cold, right? In War of the Worlds, right? Yeah. But in in War of the Worlds, it's unsatisfying. I'm, just, I'm not talking about the Spielberg movie, but I'm talking about uh, the HG Wells story. the HG Wells story. It, it's kind of unsatisfying in a way because humans weren't the ones that were smart enough. It, there, there was no, there's no hero there. There's no right, human right. Being. They didn't actively. There was, it wasn't actionable. There was no agency in the sense there, of they exactly. didn't do it. But yeah. in, in this movie, no, we do have the genius guy that we, we as, we as movies, we love uh, moviegoers. We love rooting for people, right? Right. It's thrilling to see people that we like, and I will argue that Independence Day does a good job of making us like these people mm-hmm. um, succeed. And it's, it's fun to see Will Smith in his element. He's the only guy who's a good enough pilot to pilot that <laughs> ship. And it's exciting to see, you know, the smart Jeff Goldblum character, yep. uh, you know, win in the end. So and their interactions the together make the oops. movie so enjoyable too. Yeah, yeah, the whole oops scene I think is, is excellent. No, 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 yeah. no oops, please. Uh, yeah. yeah, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith are a fantastic combination, and, and yeah. that, that is just chemistry between actors. I mean, that's not Roland Emmerich. That's just good actors who are very charismatic working well together. And, I, and I'm, I haven't, we haven't seen. None of us have seen the sequel. The reviews have been kind of mixed so far as of today. Just kind of premiered yesterday. But I, I can't imagine. I, I think a big part of what it's going to miss. Jeff Goldblum's coming back, but I mean the interaction with Will Smith. I think was a big part of what made you know, especially the ending of Independence Day. You know what's what's interesting is that's a satisfying. very it's a very small part of the movie. It's what maybe a total of what twenty minutes of screen time, maybe less yeah. of they the two of them interaction. They don't. Yeah, they don't really meet up until like the end of the second act, which is they kind of bring it home. Which is again, this maybe maybe this is why Armageddon. Like I, I hate it so much. Is that there's there's no. There are no characters in that movie where they, you know, I latch onto them. And I think, wow, I actually care about like these two characters and, and their interaction. You know, like you, you care about uh, as dumb as it is, you still care about uh, these two characters escaping the alien ship at the end. Yeah, well, I agree. because because Armageddon this is going to sound like a weird comparison, but I'm going for it. Uh, Armageddon, the biggest issue is that all of these guys have already been friends and have established as friends, and that's their whole thing from the beginning. So it's basically just like 
the the cast of Entourage in a disaster movie. Like it's just like <laughs> we have no. That wasn't to stupid care at all. They're just like yeah, they're I already the only- buddies. We don't have to watch their relationship grow. And you know what? We're not a part of, of it. You know, we're we're like the outsider looking in. We're the, the new guy to the group, and they yeah, want to talk to us. They don't hang out with us. They're exactly. doing their own thing. It's like going yeah. to a party where everyone knows each other, and you're like new to town. You're like, all right, I yeah. guess I'll just watch these guys. <laughs> yeah, I guess Armageddon's corny in the worst way, and. Uh, Independence Day is corny in the best way. I, I would get. I would say. Yeah, I would say. Actually, like, I think Ivan hit the nail on the head. I think it has to do with the characters knowing that you know, in one movie they're humans, and the other movie they're they're caricatures, or they're like you know, hollow shells of what people are supposed to be. Now yeah. you and know, it's got it's got its cheesy like eye rolling moments throughout it for sure. Like you know, anytime that a movie, a disaster movie specifically, starts off with REMs, it's the end of the world as we know it. Like you're <laughs> kind of you're kind of hitting something right on the nose there. And then you know, there's something so cheesy about the movie ending with like a montage of the whole world celebrating. Like it's just like, <laughs> dude, oh yeah, dude. It, it, like, the funniest. Here are the Arabs celebrating <laughs> in front of the pyramids. <laughs> Here's the Israelis and Palestinians they, finally getting and together. It's such like an American thing because it's the two Americans that have caused the entire world to celebrate peace. Like, it's, well, when they have, the, I mean, the, the cheesiest moment in the movie is is Pullman's speech by far. But yeah, okay, uh, I'm glad you said that. I think everybody else loves that speech. That speech and yeah. I was like, this is this okay. is corny. Okay, okay, let me. Uh, well, let me people, w- I'm telling you guys, when you you see that people were cheering in the theater, I remember people. Cheering I think my dad. I think my dad visibly whooped when yeah. that scene happened in the theater. But no, the, the the most ridiculously offensive sequence in the movie is when they do a montage of the various um, countries. Like, and what are the what are the Americans bloody plan to do? Like, it's like <laughs> it's like it's like most stereotypical British guy number one. And then they cut to Sarah, but the Russians are sitting in a dark room smoking cigarettes. Like, yeah. it, it is it is the most. Oh, of, the, the, like, they should the have mo- more time to do more countries. It's, it's too bad. Yeah, it's it is literally <laughs> like at the end of Bill and Ted's bogus. Journey when it shows everyone around the world enjoying kisses God gave rock and roll to you. <laughs> I was I I almost attributed it to the scene in Austin Powers when they were at the UN and like it like cuts to like all the different people in the UN. There's like the African guy wearing like the colorful like 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 garb. Like everything is the most stereotypical represent. Or it's like it's a small world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Roland Emmerich small world. <laughs> this movie is Roland Emmerich's. It's a small world. I think I've. I but maybe that's why people like it because you know everyone from around you know. In in uh, Armageddon, I, I don't remember, but you know, I feel like it it all takes place in like Nebraska or so, or like you know in Kansas. Like the rest of the world doesn't matter. It's just like American flags and whatever. At least Roland Emmerich is like. You there know, were other countries re- too. Really? In, okay, I don't remember, but <laughs> I think don't you see like a Paris get uh, destroyed? Yeah, Armageddon? but it gets destroyed. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair <laughs> like, they're they part of the that, solution, sure. you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just wanted to jump in with one. You know, there, I think there's, um, there's, I think there's the the two, when I was thinking about this movie, the two things I think that really made this movie stand out and become as successful as it was uh, beyond the charisma of the actors. Two things: it was filling the gap that uh, this uh, science fiction action gap. I mean, there there really weren't a lot of uh, between Return of the Jedi and maybe the next like the first Star Wars prequel or maybe The Matrix, you know, science fiction action films weren't really a big thing. Mm. You know, like, mm-hmm. they weren't... Uh, I, 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 I was... I, I didn't really um, go and do a lot of research on this, but I, I, I can't... I <laughs> good, <laughs> good to know, Dave. But, but, but I do know... Well, that you bring your podcast. I do know that a lot of the popular movies, you know, um, Ghost, this Patrick Swayze movie was like the number one movie of 1990. You had Sons of the Lambs. You had... Uh, Unforgiven. You had um, well, I, I, some of the. So I'm trying to think of some, a lot of the big hit movies. Between, well, you know. my my theory is, I think uh, box office fluctuates. I think it goes through phases, and I think that after Return of the Jedi, as you're saying, um, we kind of went into the manly man action. Like the action movie was the Schwarzenegger, right. Right. Uh, Stallone. Terminator. Well, I was going to say Ter- there's Terminator Rambo. 2, Judgment Day, and Aliens were both post. Uh, oh, you Return know what? Of the I just Jedi. screwed my whole argument. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was going to say right. Alien. You're yeah. right, but I mean, I, it's like the Terminator 2. Judgment Day falls into almost a different category. I mean, it, yeah, there's a science fiction element to it, but it's more like a just an action thriller. I mean, this you know, the movies with spaceships fighting each other and and uh, you know explosions and I mean, and that's the other thing is is that filling that Star Wars gap and also uh, 
the uniqueness of the destruction, as we, as we mentioned. And it wasn't, in, in particular, the way things explode. And, and I think one of the reasons, you know, CGI gets a lot of shit, and, you know, deservedly so in a lot of cases, but I think the, one of the reasons, and, and I, and I kind of hate it when people say, like, yeah, there's, a lot of, there's no CG in this, it's all done real, but I think Independence Day, part of the reason it holds up is because, you know, of the, uh, the passion put into the destruction of the models. You know, like, there, there's a way that, that things, you know, there was a... It was shocking, you know, to see that that kind of rolling explosion down, you know, down a yeah, city street. I mean, that, yeah. I, I, at the time, there was nothing, nothing like it. I hadn't seen anything like that in in, in any movie, and I watched. You know, at that point, in my life, that was twenty. Dude, I Dave watched, has watched a lot I, of movies. I, I had even at that point, I had watched a lot of <laughs> movies. You know, a lot of good movies and a lot of dumb movies. And that movie, and you know, that trailer, you know, selling the uh, kind of rolling fire and the, the explosion of the White House and the different landmarks and the way you know it explodes, kind of not you know all at once, but kind of in pieces. And the sound design. I mean, it just. Are you surprised that they blew their wad and showed the White House being exploded in the trailer? No, um, no, because that, I think that was what drew a lot of people. It's like, oh, I gotta go yeah. see that they blew up the White House. I, what else are they gonna explode? I think it's interesting that um, that shot, the shot of the White House exploding, and uh, the, there's a CG element where they, you know, like the helicopter coming at the camera is mm-hmm. like the CG addition to that. But that shot is, I think, one of the, I would argue, one of the so most iconic. iconic shots in all movie yeah. history. Oh yeah. oh yeah, absolutely. I'll say uh, that. Yeah, for a sure. A schlocky director. So uh, yeah, I mean, you can criticize the Roland Emmerich, you know, for his faults, but he does have some strengths that should be commended. Yeah, there are some striking visuals. I mean, even with uh, the movie before, um, what was it called? Uh, Stargate. You know, th- there was a particular way of, of of explosions in outer space where he had this kind of ripple thing happening. You know, like the shock wave of of, a, of an explosion. You know, there, there are certain just visual touches that that he put into. His films, you know, uh, at least these two films that I can remember, uh, you know, they, they were unique at the very least. And, uh, you know, seeing, you know, there was a definite visceral thrill to seeing like fighter jets fight spaceships. I mean, I, you know, I, done uh, as well as it was, I mean, you know, there wasn't anything like it at the time. And, you know, you know now we're, we're used to being able to do anything and, uh, you know, so this stuff isn't as unique. And so lucky for us, they've gone back to like, you know, I'd like to think uh, the the movies of uh, the character work uh, is usually what makes movies more appealing. Like the Marvel movies, I think are successful. You know, mostly because the characters are appealing. You know, in a mo- in a movie like Independence Day, you're really going for the spectacle. I think. I think. I mean, I but I think like going back to what I said earlier, I do think these. I do care about these characters. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's just me. But that's just. But they didn't. Yeah, make, but I like, think the they, big they draw, didn't make I, like I twenty. I think, I think they drew people in with the explosions, <laughs> but people stayed, and then I, I think it became beloved because of the characters. I, th- I, mean, I think it is a mix of both. Look, here's. Well, I'm looking at an article about Independence Day Resurgence, the sequel. They're not showing a picture of Jeff Goldblum as, as much as, as much no, as I love him. I know. No, fair what, point. What sells the movie is is this giant fiery cloud in space. Yeah, but I mean, I remember. I I saw Emmerich's Godzilla in theaters, and I... That's a terrible movie. <laughs> I literally remember nothing about that movie. Like, I, I don't even remember who's in it. And that's... Matthew Broderick. Hank Azaria. I don't remember that. <laughs> don't remember oh, that either. Right. Hank Azaria's in it. Godzilla is, himself. Is Anne, yeah, the Anne, only thing it? I really remember Who? about that movie is the shot that appeared in literally every commercial, even ones not specifically for the movie, but for whatever fast food toys were coming out for Godzilla, which is right. like the foot coming down on the camera oh, guy yeah. and right, then like right. Hank Azaria's like in between the toes so he survives or some stupid bullshit but like that's like the one scene that I distinctly <laughs> remember from 1998 Godzilla so bitter <laughs> I remember I remember the marketing campaign for Godzilla more than Godzilla like I remember them being like do you remember like they would put like billboards out and it would be like it's bigger than this sign like, size matters or something. yeah, yeah I remember that. Like, it's longer than this bus it would yeah, be on the exactly. bus size of buses yeah so yeah. Roland Emmerich must have really good marketing teams that help him yeah. get out his movies, yeah. is what I was going to say. But, uh, okay, final thoughts, guys. Uh, Independence Day. Um, my final thoughts. Uh, uh, you, going around, guys, what do you guys think about this? Anything you didn't get to touch upon? And um, are you going to be seeing Independence Day Resurgence uh, in theaters? Mm. Um, <laughs> not going to see it in theaters. Probably I'll wait till maybe it comes out online or something, and then I'll catch it there, I think. Um, Overall, I mean, Ivan, I think I agree with you. I think what you said, you said it was ridiculous to say the movie is important, but I think, I don't think so. I think it is important um, to sci-fi, I think, and, and its genre. I think it was definitely, is a lot of things that I think movies have pulled from it. I mean, even when they go inside the ship at the end, right? Like, 
that's almost like shot for shot. I feel like out of uh, Oblivion, I mentioned it earlier with Tom Cruise at the end where they go into the the giant ship and they're kind of cruising through its corridors. It's very similar to that too. And I, I, on a number of th- actually, they do the exact same thing. They hijack an alien ship and then basically bring a bomb aboard the the mothership essentially. But um, I, I think it, a lot of films borrow a lot from that movie, and I think it, it is important to that genre and to the ideas it brought to the table. And uh, you know, and that that. The characters, again, also, I think, very well-defined. I, I like them. I, I think it, there's a lot of good things going for it. I think it falls in the trap of 90s action movies, I think, or just action movies in general. And that's really my only criticism. Other than that, I enjoyed it, and I think it's it's pretty good. Matt, do you, are you seeing Resurgence this weekend? Uh, I really don't see any movies in theaters anymore, so probably not. <laughs> I, I'm, too busy, I'm too busy watching schlocky films from 30 years ago every day. So. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's a full-time job. There oh, yeah. Go. Um, yeah. Life, yeah. My 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 very limited time to see movies with kids. I mean, I just I, I can't see this being worth it. Well, it'll because you. It's a weird day and age that we live in. But I it's can't like, justify this to my wife. You know, it's going to be on Netflix like eventually. Like it's yeah. like that's usually exactly. my thought process is always like, oh, I'll I'll see when I can stream it you on know, Netflix. It's it's funny. I um I actually enjoyed my rewatch of this so much that I was like, you know what. I am going to see Resurgence in theaters. And then I saw how bad the reviews have been. I'm like, are they bad? They're pretty, they're mediocre. (laughs) And I'm like, "Eh, maybe I won't see it in theaters. Um, I don't think they're so far. They haven't been much worse than the original. (laughs) Oh, well maybe I'll love it then. I don't know. I mean, 57%. All I know is that Judd Hirsch hasn't aged at all. So that's impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my other final comment is the kid, uh, Randy Quaid's kid. Did anyone else think he looked just like Keanu Reeves? Uh, yes. No, I yes. thought it, <laughs> he was in uh, Donnie Darko. No, I thought. Holy yeah, crap, he's in Donnie Darko. He's the yeah. guy. He's I thought Frank. he looked like yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I had one note left yeah. that just said Jose Gordon-Levitt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, he was a terrible <laughs> actor. Oh I my think Matt god! Just ended the three lines, butchered them all. <laughs> well, yeah, not three lines, but he wasn't that good. Come on. Lucas's farm, man. Um, I think that uh, Matt just ended the podcast. I think that was pretty perfect. Jose Gordon-Levitt, um, absolutely. Jose Gordon-Levitt is how we're going to close out this this sucker. Um, yeah, I am. I'm, I enjoyed my rewatch of this film, uh, guys. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can track me down uh, at Saint Mort on. T- uh, I'm said on Tinder, on Twitter, Tinder as well, and SoundCloud.com backslash horror movie night and geekscape.net uh my writings over there a bunch as well as uh every episode of horror movie night very good mike where can people find you uh you can find me on the now fully operational mikemirandi.com um oh well let's go check it out it is oh and dave dave just so you know it is currently um not menstruating again i just (laughs) want to let you know actually i guess in contrast it is menstruating now i guess based on your logic from, from last podcast um, you can also find me well, on Twitter. Well, it's just because it's not that time of the month, Mike. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, 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 find me on Twitter, at Mike Morandi. <laughs> Sweet. And Dave, where can people find you? Uh, Dave Glantz on Twitter, uh, GLANC, and uh, DaveGlantzProductions.com. Uh, yeah, and you, I'm, I don't know what the hell my name is. My name is Ivan Kander. You can find me at Twitter, <laughs> at Ivan Kander. That's K-A-N-D-E-R. My website is Lucky9Studios.com, and I edit and write for ShortOfTheWeek.com. So... Yeah, that's me. Um, so, guys, uh, I guess next time we are going to be doing uh, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. I think we're getting too old for this shit. So um, <laughs> that's what we're doing next time. And if you want to find us on the web, you can do so at reviewpodcast.com. Facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. Until next time, guys. Bye-bye. That had nothing to do with the movie. There was no quote. Was very, oh, was not you know clever what? at all. You know what? I, uh...